Welcome to the podcast of the Unitarian Universalist Area Church at First Parish in Sherborne. No matter who you are, who you love, we welcome you into our community of religious seekers. Please join us on Sunday morning for our worship services at 10.30 a.m. More information can be found on our website at uuac.org or visit our Facebook page at Sherborne Unitarian Universalist. Enjoy the sermon. Our reading for today is called Restorers of Life by Talitha Arnold. The women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without next of kin, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. From the Book of Ruth. Five verses into the Book of Ruth, her mother-in-law, Naomi, has lost her husband and two sons. By verse 14, Naomi's daughter-in-law, Orpah, has turned back to her own home. Only Ruth, the other daughter-in-law, herself a widow, accompanies Naomi as she makes her way back to Bethlehem. If ever there was someone who walked the valley of death, it was Naomi. By the book's end, Naomi's journey has taken a different direction. Ruth marries Naomi's kinsman, Boaz, and bears a son. The village women rejoice with old Naomi and proclaim that the baby shall be to you a restorer of life. You probably know a few such restorers of life, too. For me, one is Augustus Vaughn Stone, new infant son of my nephew and his wife. They live far away, so I've yet to meet him in the flesh, but his proud papa sends regular photos. After 19 months of pandemic shutdowns, insurrections, and racial killings, young Augustus's bright eyes and Yoda face restore my life and hope on a regular basis. So do the pictures of my nephew looking happier than ever before. Restorers of life come in all ages, sizes, and colors. Sometimes they are a part of our lives for many years, sometimes only for a moment, when their smile or word of encouragement blesses and brings us back to life. In this season of Thanksgiving, may we remember and give thanks for such restorers in our lives. Friends, with our own two hands, we hold the world, and here it is. Beautiful things are here in our midst, and so are hard things, and we try to keep our hearts tender and our eyes soft and our words true. This is what you and I try to be about. We know there is no answer but to love each other. We bear witness against destruction. We gather here in community, whether it's in person or at home, to practice being the person that we're trying to be. We cannot do everything, but we can do something, and that something is never nothing. So let us ring the bells that still can ring inside of you and in your life, and forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything, and say with me, that is how the light gets in. This past Monday, 
brought me the delayed task of what I call tarp and leaf. <laughs> now, despite the name, this is not some new, fancy, overpriced suburban gastropub. You know, it's raking leaves. I have got a love-hate relationship with autumn. Because while there is the way that the sun angles through the trees, and there's a blue sky just like today, and it casts a light even when you're driving east on Route 9 in Natick, like through the car sales-like landscape, like even that sort of ugly bit, in autumn, it's beautiful. But there's also the way that my once giant hostas and sunflowers now lay flat and limp across the grass. They're slimy with rain. Do you know what I mean? And they're a husk of the life that they once had. They're a husk. It is a professional hazard of ministry and of life, everybody, to get familiar with loss, which is our November theme. But the truth is, is that I'm, Jason said this last week, I am tired, I am fed up of often's, autumn's reminder that winter is coming. I don't want to live in a Game of Thrones episode, people. So this past Monday, I dragged out the tarp and the, the rake and the clippers to cut and clear away and rake away death. Landscapers don't call it that, raking away the death. But I think that they should. Because what I was really doing on Monday morning was not a fall cleanup. It was about this desire I have to be restored. I want to be restored from my sometimes melancholic mood. And if my family's watching, they're like, sometimes? <laughs> I want to be restored from my COVID hypervigilance. And I have like a posture. It's just like, <laughs> right? Like, you're just like, I want to be restored from being too much in my head and too much in the headlines. I want to be restored from my furrowed brow that has given me these right here, these lines. You can see them at home because India's like zooming in on them. <laughs> these lines are giving me from being a worrywart, which is what anxiety was called before I knew my therapist could help me with it. It's only November, but I want to be restored to life. Is it spring yet? Mr. Rogers um, said to look for the helpers. Right? But what might it mean for us to look for the restorers? Now, that's a question. That is my question. What will it be like for us to look for the restorers? to all of you and to me, to us. We who are all together, but not quite. 
We who are looking forward to the holidays, but thanks to our hypervigilance, not quite. We who are back at church just like the old days, but it's not quite. I mean, it's like half the amount of people here that we used to have. We can't sing yet. It's not quite. We who have one eye on the UN Climate Change Conference the last few weeks in Glasgow and the other on the forecast. I mean, everybody, there was like thunderstorms and tornado warnings yesterday. It's the middle of November. We who, you and I, this week, the same week, are watching the trials of those who killed Armand Arbery in Georgia while he was jogging, and the same week, Kyle Rittenhouse, who killed two and injured a third with an AR-15. He was 17 when he drove up from his home in Antioch, Illinois, to Kenosha, Wisconsin, during a Black Lives Matter protest. And we who, as Brian Stevenson's, he's from the movie Just Mercy, which I commend to you. It's a great book and it's a great movie. I commend to you. Brian Stevenson, who was on, on Bean last Sunday before I arrived here with Krista Tibbet, who said that hopelessness about all of this stuff that you and I are wrestling with, all of the gold stars that we're earning, all the hopelessness, hopelessness is an enemy of justice. You can't be hopeless, he said, and a friend of justice. And then he said, people are more than the worst thing they have done. People are more than the worst thing they have done. That's a challenge, watching Kyle this week. These words, all of these ways, Brian's words, they, they restore me. As I see and feel with you like all of the husks, I love the word, because it sounds like how it feels, all of the husks of life that's, that used to be, or that is almost, this not quite normal at all feeling that we are living still. Are you with me? I'm asking that a lot in my sermons. I want you to know, and I want you to know why. Because I want us to not feel alone. We are all in so many different places. Like, we're at home, we're here, we're like, one week we're over here, another time we're over here, we're relaxed, we're hypervigilant, we're confused, we're sad, we're joyful, like we're... we're we're all over the place. And I just want us to put, I want to put our arms and my arms around us. Still social distance, but just to kind of, to hold us, to hold us together. To be restored. Nathan, this is my wife Karen now. It's Monday at noon. Put the rake away, it's time to go. But I'm raking away death. I'm restoring myself to myself. I'll get you coffee, she says. Okay. 
Where are we going? Where are we going? Friends, we are going to the airport. I haven't been to the airport except to pick up my mom like in a driving fast, like blaze through, like Terminal B in 22 months. But this time we're actually parking. <laughs> Eight bucks an hour. And we go all the way, it's Terminal E, we go all the way up to level seven because this place is packed with cars. It's Terminal E. You know that bridge that goes over from the parking lot to Terminal E? It has these fun, like, walking escalators that make you so glad that you live like in the modern times. <laughs> and on the tiles, on the floor, if you've seen them, I want you to look. There are these, somebody, somebody's job it was to make these tiles in the shapes of whales and starfish. So often the airport, so often for us, for you and me, the airport is like the fifth circle of Dante's hell. Okay? But on this day, it is a great church. This is a, it's a cathedral, everybody. I'm going to now give it the name. The International Logan Airport Tabernacle of life restored. <laughs> the International Air Logan Airport Tabernacle of Life Restored. Eight bucks is a bargain, friends. Why? Because on this past Monday, it's November 8th, it is the first day in 20 months that international travel to America has been allowed. And now Terminal E is not a terminal at all. It instead is a great sanctuary of light and song and prayer and laughter and tears and balloons and clapping and joy. And you're thinking, well, you're just being like metaphorical and minister-like and preachy-like. And I want to say to you, try being a preacher without being preachy. It's not easy. <laughs> It's not easy, Jason. Somebody's like, you're all preachy. It's like, well, you know, that is my title. <laughs> but anyway, why are we there? We are there to pick up my in-laws from England, their first time here to see their American family in 828 days. And Karen's got her sign. I don't know if India, this is going to be too high for the camera. Get the kettle on, which is British for the, well, it's the kettle. <laughs> Nanny and granddad are here after 828 days apart. Welcome. We missed you. Around us, there are these East Indian families, and there are British families. There's a guy that looks like Rod Stewart. I mean, he was, might have been Rod Stewart. <laughs> yeah, like, you're like bleach blonde, like this crazy hair, and this like big gold necklace. I was like, that's got to be Rod Stewart. He wanted to come to Boston. 
the International Tabernacle of Life Restored. That's why he's here. And there's a young woman who's waiting for her mom from England. She hasn't seen in over two years. And she's crying. There are a gaggle of exchange students meeting their host parent for the first time. And there are balloons and there are signs everywhere. This is not a terminal on a Monday afternoon. This is what I'm telling you. This is now an altar call. Because folk are running like it's got this railing and you run around it and it says, do not enter here. The security guards, police are just like whatever as people drop their signs and run full steam into one another's arms of folks they have not seen in two years or more. I am there for the in-laws, but actually, as I cry and pretend it is allergies, I'm there also to rake away death. To rake away death. And every time those doors, they, fl- they, they open automatically, and you can see people come through and they push their carts of luggage and they let them glide into the wall as people fling themselves into one another's arms and life is restored. Do you need restoring? I'm telling you, go to Terminal E. I am telling you, it is the best eight bucks you're going to spend. My point is that we need to be intentional about looking for restoration. Hope and life are not just going to jump into your lap all the time like a friendly cat, Gage. Gage has so many cats. You have to practice life restoration. So that's why I come Thursday afternoon of just this past week. I'm standing outside the Holliston Town Hall, where I live, and I'm straining to hear the rabbis and this African-American minister from Framingham, and I'm straining to hear the town selectmen through the fuzz of like this not this too small speaker, and the traffic behind us on Route 16. And of course, the company that's doing work on the side of the building, they have a lift. And every time somebody tries to talk, they turn it on. You can't hear a thing. And we are all there to denounce and stand up to a recent spate of hate speech in the middle school and the high school of Holliston. Phil mentioned this in your prayer last Sunday. We had the N-word on the middle school and the high school. We had a swastika. We had homophobic slurs. All in the bathrooms and in the hallways. And behind me on Thursday afternoon, there are several of you, and you're wearing your rainbow flags like capes, and there are various other kids, of course not our kids, but other kids who are looking totally bored, wondering how long the prayer is going to be, because clergy talk so long, and I get it. Like, Here's my point. It doesn't matter what was being said. It doesn't matter that I couldn't really hear them. 
The point is that against the death and the destruction that hate has always, that they, has always been in our communities, but now has come out in the open so that those of us in the suburbs, which is all of us, can't pretend anymore that it doesn't happen here. It's always happened, you guys. But I'm there with everybody. Just for a little bit of restoration. I want to be around the restorers. We need to be around the restorers. We need to put a gold star and we need to become the re restorers when we can. That's what Thursday was like. That's what being here is like for me. I mean, I like practically fly out of here every Sunday now on my out of this tabernacle on wings because you restore me and we restore one another together life restored and my point is, is that life calls us on winter is coming but life calls us on where are you going to look where are you going to look I want to recommend Terminal E, the children and babies in your life, Golden Afternoon, Covenant Groups in our church community, the Eighth Principal Task Force that I just mentioned, the Land Acknowledgement Task Force that you hear about next Sunday, singing hymns outside whenever I'm done. Oh, I'm only halfway, by the way. <laughs> Hopelessness is an enemy of justice. And if you don't have hope, what I want to tell you is let those of us who are here hold it for you. If you don't have life, if you are a husk of life, let those of us here around you hold life for you. Life calls us forward, friends. It really does. And that's because it can and will be restored. It always is. Our job is to only, which isn't a small thing, our job is to look out and to look in. Love you all. Amen, amen, amen.